Hey, Al. Hey, Barry. What's a rogue's favorite type of metal? What? Steel. It's time for Compelled Duel. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Compelled Duel. I'm Barry. And I'm Al. And we are a single-player, co-DM'd Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition actual play podcast. Last time on Compelled Duel, Lairo Valsine took refuge at the Monastery of the Order of the Golden Tusk in the Sovereign Principalities of Tordun, with uh, the mother and stepmother of his very good friend, Zed Stonebloom. Figured out some stuff about his next steps and next moves. Figured out a little bit more than that, too, but he's not talking about that. And was involved in what was perhaps a very poor decision. <laughs> and the time before that, the last time we checked in with Ferrara Valsine, she also was involved in some maybe not so great life choices. After the events at the Silent City outside of the city of Omagroth, once you got back to Valentall... Fenandris Tormer handed in his resignation, and after a very tense conversation, left the city. A couple weeks later, Fee was summoned by her new acquaintance, Erve Enmar, an archaeologist and self-ascribed portal expert, out to another silent city, where she met a young druid named Verity, an entire enclave of worshippers of an ancient Australian goddess known only as the Stormbringer, and attuned to her new magic item. Fee also found out some information about her birth mother that she had not previously been aware of, and in fact had been actively lied to about. And the last time we left her was standing outside of her father's office, back in the palace. Sure was. So we are going to pick right back up where we left off with Fee. Fee, you are standing outside of the door of your father's office. It still has the scorched hole burnt in it from earlier that morning when he got a little upset about some news about Leo and blasted the thing off the hinges, and you can see him sitting inside at his desk. He looks up at you and says, Oh, Ferrara, come in. I'm gonna walk in. He seems calm. He's just sitting there working on some paperwork. It doesn't look like anything out of the ordinary. It's pretty mundane. He seems like nothing's really wrong. Fee's just gonna stand there, hands behind her back. Uh, hello, Father. There were a few things that I wanted to discuss with you. Of course, take a seat. Fee's gonna sit down in the chair, just kind of fold her hands in her lap, and then say, Ah, I've been thinking about a few things recently. Um, I wondered if you could tell me anything about my mother. Roll insight. That's a 12. On a 12, you see his pen still about an inch above the paper. He very slowly puts his pen down and rests his hands down on the top of his desk and says... Now, why on earth would you be compelled to ask about that? Fee gives him a very tight smile and says, Forgive me my sentiment, 
father. It's just that the situation with Phenandris has been bringing up some old thought processes that I would like to put behind me. And now I would like you to roll deception. 24. Okay, let me roll insight for Morlin. He only gets a plus four to this. 11. He visibly relaxes back into his chair a little bit and almost looks like he lets out a breath he's been holding. He nods to himself and then says, I will lead into this with the very transparent admission that I am not a perfect person. I have my flaws. I have made my mistakes. I have let people down. I'm not sure how much you know about Leiril's mother or the war with Vogvoldor that happened before you were born. I cared for Adana very much, but she had always been rather mentally fragile and the war took its toll on her. She started declining very quickly and very dramatically. At that point, Leiril was an infant, so between having to watch my wife slip away and try to maintain as stable of a family environment as I could for my child, I found myself lonely. I met your mother by chance at a social function. She was a brilliant mage, charming, funny. And I gave in to that loneliness. I broke vows and I let people down. The original plan when you came along, of course, was for everything to be a little more in line with how things usually go when these things happen. He sort of waves his hands back and forth between the two of you. You would have been given the best education, the highest quality of life, obviously, but been kept away from the court and the scrutiny that would have come with it. I would have never wanted that for you. But unfortunately, your mother also had certain problems with fragility and stability and could not cope with having a child with your, he taps at his forehead, condition. You were turned over to my care. I sent you with Alasha for your education after that. And after showing your prowess at sorcery and your shrewd political mind, I came to the realization that you were a better fit for the throne of Australia than your brother ever was. He pauses again for a second and drums a complicated rhythm on top of his desk with his fingertips and sort of just nods solemnly to himself. You and I are people with very unpleasant stories, Ferora. I think we can understand that about each other. And I think that looking too hard back into those unpleasant stories holds us back from moving forward. 
I am going to roll deception. Because of what he just did, he is going to get advantage on it. Roll insight. You are going to need to beat a 24. That's a 13. I don't do it. The thought process that you have, Fee, is very strange. Because your father tells you this story, and there are parts of it that just logically don't make sense with what you now know. But there's an earnestness in how he's looking at you and a frankness that he doesn't often speak to you with. And for some fucked up reason, you buy it. Fee brings up one hand to, like, brush her hair back behind her ear and, like, defensively runs her fingers over one of her horns. And she says, Right. Yes. I think it is best to move forward. Uh, on to the other topic of conversation. I've been putting thought toward our problem with Lairo. I believe, just looking at it from a political standpoint, that the next logical step for him to take would be to go into Vogvaldor. There is tension on the Tordunian border, and it makes sense to me that Vogvaldor would shelter an enemy of the state that they are currently in conflict with, and it also makes sense to me that the Vuldoran government and Lairil himself would realize that our relationship with the Vuldoran Empire could be eased by having the, and she gestures at him, Vuldoran war hero currently on the throne, replaced with someone who is more susceptible to psychophantic flattery. Well, first things first, 2,000 miles away, your brother's ears twitch. <laughs> and secondly, you see where your father had relaxed a little bit, his posture stiffens again, and he frowns, looking very concerned. And if that were the case, what do you propose that our countermeasures be? At least nominally, Vavodar has arranged a peace with us. And Lairil is extremely wanted on grounds of treason. I suggest that you send someone high-ranking, possibly myself and a small entourage, to get him personally. Absolutely not. He snaps, like, very clipped. Roll me a perception check and a history check. So that's a 15 on history? And a 19 on perception. So with that perception, you can very obviously see your father's grip on the edge of his desk go white-knuckled. And there is a look that crosses his face that can only be described as just a split second of sheer panic. He looks like he's not even aware of the room he's in anymore for a second. And with that history check... You know quite a bit about the Valduran Wars that ravaged the country for about 200 years. It was disastrous. When I say that Australia was nearly wiped out, Australia was nearly wiped out. Thousands upon thousands of people died under the onslaught of a hostile invading Valduran force that was there to try to secure parts of the country that were rich in natural resources, namely mines. 
so many people died, so many even nobles and high-ranking officials in Australian society died. Your grandfather, who was Archduke at the time, was killed. Your father was not even first in line for the throne. He was not the oldest son of the family. Um, His older brother also died in the war. That war is what led Alasha to the injury that she is still dealing with to this day, the scarring and the loss of range of motion on one side of her body. She was hit by essentially a bomb. Your father was the hero of the Valduran War. His leadership when he was thrust into the position of Archduke, and also his prowess in battle magic, basically single-handedly brought the war to a stop. And until now, I don't think you've ever kind of seen the exact degree of effect that that sequence of events had on him. He looks freaked for a second. And almost as quickly as you see that happen, it is gone. He very carefully kind of puts his facial expression back together, rolls his shoulders back, takes a deep breath, but repeats himself very firmly, absolutely not. I will not send you into that level of danger. You have no scope of the lows of treachery and backbiting that Voldurans will stoop to. I will not send you into the belly of the beast for a hunch about Leoril's location. And if I'm right, and he brings the wolves to our door, what then? Uh, roll perception for me one more time. Eighteen. He sighs, looks over to where he has a little, like, alchemical timepiece sitting on his desk, and just sets his jaw very tightly and shakes his head again and says, I will not risk your safety or your life. You are the last hope Australia has. And... If push comes to shove, this country has rebuffed an invading Valduran force before, and we will do so again. That is my final word on the subject. You have my leave to go. Fee sets her jaw and nods and gets up to go. And then... And then, actually, let me just roll a luck check real quick. Nope. Okay. Fee, you are in the doorway. The door is open and you are ready to leave when the spell wears off. That weird kind of justification that you were doing, like just going around in circles in your mind, trying to reconcile the story that your father told you about your mother with the information that you knew that made that impossible, all of that justification drops and you feel the effect of enchantment magic leaving your mind. you realize that at least part of that story was bullshit and that he did something to make it sound like it wasn't magically. Okay. She stops in the doorway, has a hand around the doorframe, and her grip just tightens. And without turning around, she says, One more thing, Father. Yes, I suppose, if I can't wait. I would love to know what part of that story you told me earlier was a lie. There is a long pause. 
and you hear your father respond in a very measured, calculated tone. A bold accusation. What reason would I have to lie to you? That's something I would love to know as well. I'm not an idiot. And as you yourself pointed out, I am a very proficient sorceress. You hear your father hum to himself like he's figured something out. And in that same very measured voice, he says, Ferora, I think all of this business with Phenandris has gotten you a little on edge. I understand very well how painful it is when someone we thought we were close to decides to leave us behind. But throwing around baseless accusations around people that are on your side seems a bit counterproductive, don't you think? Now let's take a deep breath and really think about what we're saying here. I need you to make a charisma saving throw. You are going to have advantage. You're trying to beat a 19. That was a 25. (sighs) Okay, 25 on a charisma saving throw. Yeah, he just fucking tried something again. I mean, yeah, you would probably know it was some kind of, like, calm emotions spell, but you handily pass the save for it, you're not affected. Now Fee turns around. Still with that grip on the edge of the doorframe, she just whips around to face him and very calmly says, I'm not a child that you can pacify and send away. I know what you're doing. His face is still totally impassive, but he does slowly raise an eyebrow at you. Are you not? Because a rational grown adult would realize when to leave a situation alone before it becomes unproductive or dangerous. And Fee, in that moment, I think it's just like a series of flashbacks that you have of being various ages as you were growing up, being around your brother, being around your friends, and being around your father as you're just kind of running back through all of these times in your life, you start to realize a really unsettling pattern. Leo had always been an argumentative little shit, and always had too big of a mouth on him for his own good. So you wonder why you never thought about how odd it was, how quickly your father could shut him up when he started being argumentative. And how Leo always seemed to take the farthest seat away from him, in whatever room you were. You have a couple thoughts. Fi takes a very deep breath. And then that hand that is clenched around the doorframe detaches, and she slowly puts it down at her side, where her wand is holstered. His other eyebrow raises. And he goes... I would tell you to carefully consider your next move, but given how irrationally you are acting, I don't believe that that's going to happen. So instead, I will kindly suggest that you leave my office and you don't talk to anybody else about this conversation. 
you are now going to have to roll me a wisdom saving throw with advantage. You are trying to beat a 19. No way. (laughs) So to beat a 19, because I don't have proficiency and I have minus one to whiz, I needed to roll a nat 20. No way. And I sure did. Natural fucking 20. And I think as she shrugs off the effect of that spell, that hand closes around her wand, and Fee says, I would advise you to be careful about your next move in this conversation. There is a very long and very tense silence. Fee doesn't raise her wand, she just has her hand around it, and she is shaking. Your father stands up behind his desk. You guys are kind of okay corralling it. When he said that things could get dangerous, you are starting to get the impression that that was a very real threat. You have heard him speak with anger towards Leo before. He has never really turned that tone on you. But with his jaw set and his lips in a very thin line, he snaps, I have had enough of the insolence and the insubordination, Ferrara, you are going to leave the office and you are not going to discuss this with anyone. You are going to roll me another wisdom saving throw. You still have advantage on it because it is a charm effect and you have resistance against being charmed, but you've got to hit another nat 20. It's a natural 19, which means it's an 18. You feel something much more unpleasant than whatever it was he tried to do last time. It is like this sickening, pressurized grip on your spinal cord, and you kind of lurch forward trying to fight it off, and it just seeps into your mind. You are under the effects of a Dominate Person spell cast at 7th level, which means that for the next hour, you are incapable of taking actions that you are not directly told by your father to do. And he told you to leave the office and to not tell anyone about this conversation. You feel your body moving of its own accord. You turn around and, like a zombie, walk out of the office. You have no control over it. The command was very vague, however, you know, he didn't really tell you to do anything specific other than get out, don't tell anybody about this. You're walking down the hallway, probably feeling extremely upset and off-kilter, and you see Alasha turn the other corner of the hallway, and she takes one look at you. I'm gonna roll... You can't roll deception, because you can't take that action right now. I'm gonna roll insight for her, just like a flat insight check. Yeah. So she turns the corner, she sees you, rolls a 21 to insight, immediately knows that something is up, comes up to you and gets a hand on both of your shoulders and goes, Fee, hey, 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 look at me, what is going on? Do you make the attempt to tell her? Yeah, I think Fee opens her mouth and tries to get the words out. You open your mouth to try to specifically tell her what just went down, and the words will not come out, just like a couple choked, strangled attempts at speech. I 
I'm going to roll for Alasha again. Yeah, buddy, that's a 25. Alasha looks at you there, like, stammering and shaking and kind of arrested in your movement. And she looks back behind you to the door of your father's office. A very dark look crosses her face. She looks over at you, and she goes, Did he do this? I can't say anything. I think if you attempt to again, and you can't say anything, she squeezes your shoulders, takes a step back, and nods. You go somewhere safe. I'm gonna go have a talk with your father. And she storms off past you down the hallway. You are out of the range of the office now. You have movement back in your limbs. You only were given two commands, which were leave the office, don't tell anybody about the specific situation that just happened. So, as you're, like, getting some of the movement back in your body, you realize that in his haste, your father may have given you some loopholes to what you can do. You just cannot directly disobey the commands. I'm gonna go find Kalesa. Yeah, around this time of day, Kalesa's usually hanging out in her family's apartments. You go down there. Lady Petrus is in there, though. She kind of gives you a weird look. Oh, um, hello, Grand Duchess. Are you feeling all right? Are you here to see Kalesa? And you can talk. You have the capability of speech as long as you are not trying to discuss the situation. I think one hand goes up to, like, press at the base of her throat as Fee says, Uh... Yes, yes, I'm here to see Kalesa. Well, all right, she's in her room. Kalesa, you walk in and she's just, like, laying upside down off of her bed, like, tossing a dagger at the ceiling and catching it again. She sits up and goes, oh, hey, Fee, what's- whoa. Did something happen? Fee tries to say it again and it gets stuck in her throat. So with that hand, like, very firmly pressed to, like, her chest and the base of her neck. She says, I, <clears throat> I need your help with something. Kalesa's on her feet in a second. She sees how freaked out you are and is just up. You see her hike up her skirts, get her daggers, shove them in her thigh holsters. And yeah, she's gone. She's going with you. Where are you trying to take her? Back towards the office. Okay. You get to like the end of the hallway. And you start to feel the spell kind of pushing on you again. Like, that kind of really uncomfortable, almost painful pressure at the base of your skull kind of shoots down through your spinal cord and out through the rest of your body, and your movement is arrested at the end of the hallway. Kalesa sees you stop and looks over and frowns at you. What, what do you need? What are we doing here, Fee? I don't understand. I need you to... Listen. In. Just in the name of fairness, let me roll insight for Kalesa to see if she can pick up what you're putting down. Yeah, buddy, that's another 21. She nods and she goes, Okay, so I'm gonna sneak up there and I'll message you so you can hear what I hear. Got it? Yes, that's good. Okay, cool, you should 
get around the corner, so just in case I get caught, they only find me. I'll make up an excuse. I'll say I was looking for my dad. You, you go. Fee goes back around the corner, and I think she just, like, slides down on the wall and sits on the floor with her head in her hands. Okay, the spell is not pushing on you as hard once you are around the corner, like, out of line of sight of the door. All right, time for Kalesa to actually be a rogue now. So let's use that good plus 10 to stealth and see if it gets us anywhere. <laughs> That's a 29, baby. And Moreland's passive perception is a 25. Kalesa handily beats it. So you don't see this. And really, with a 29 stealth, you don't even hear it. But you do feel the little ping of a message cantrip in the back of your head. Kalesa is keeping the channel of the spell open, so you suppose she probably has one of her daggers out, and is channeling the spell just like as a stream of consciousness through her mind of what she is hearing as she listens at this door. I am going to roll just a flat luck check to see how much of this conversation you guys have missed. Okay, so you missed a little bit, but not all. You hear an incredibly heated conversation between Alasha and your father. In a tone that it is frankly dumbfounding and frightening for Alasha to be using with your father, you hear her hiss, You are so full of shit, Morlin! Your father sighs and says, There's no need to take that tone with me just because... And then she cuts him off. You hear something slam on a desk. This is not about us. This is about her and the future of this fucking country. Are you out of your mind? At the rate you're going, you are running out of children that trust you. What happens when you do? Your father's voice kind of hardens the way it did when he was talking to you, and he says, You forget yourself, Marchinus Dakarin. Alasha, completely unbowed, says, I don't forget anything, and you would do well to keep that in mind, Archduke. I have spent the last century and some change of my life cleaning up after your messes, so I remember quite a lot, and I remember the price that you paid the last time you made this mistake. I... I can't. I, I have nothing to say to you. You hear footsteps like she's walking across the office. You hear your father voice going a little softer. Alasha. Oh, yes, and one more thing, Alasha says. And you hear footsteps moving away from the door where Kales is listening. You hear a rustle of fabric and like an unsettled noise from your father, like she has just fucking grabbed him by the collar. And you hear Alasha's voice drop down to a very low level, like a very threatening, slow cadence. And she says, One more thing. If you cast so much as a prestidigitation within 60 feet of that girl ever again, I'll kill you in your sleep and make it look like an accident. 
And then you hear footsteps coming back towards the door, and Kalesa fucking books it around the corner. The message spell goes dead. Yeah, as Kalesa comes back around the corner, Fee is going to nod and, like, gesture at her and say, go, go. And then Fee is going to slowly get up. I'm, I'm not leaving you. Are you crazy? Kalesa, go. Kalesa stalls for a second at the corner, and she just reaches up, presses a hand to the side of your face, and then drops it, and she sprints down the hallway. She's gone. Elasha storms down around the corner of this hallway. You hear your father's office door slam behind her. As she rounds this corner, she's got her hand running back through her hair, just, like, whisper cussing to herself very intensely, and then she looks up and sees you. She sighs. I thought I told you to get out of here. Still just, like, shaking, and with her hand, like, pressed to the base of her throat, he says, Can we talk? Elasha looks exhausted and a little panicked, but as soon as she sees how shaken up you are, she very gently wraps her arm around your waist and says, Yeah, sweetie, yeah, come on. And leads you off down a wandering maze of hallways to her quarters. It's a familiar, well-appointed suite of rooms. You've been in here several times before. You do a lot of your training with her in here. She sits you down on the couch in her kind of living room area and bustles off into a little area on the side. You hear her start to get some tea ready. And she just comes back and sits down next to you puts the setup for tea on the counter, and just holds your hand. And she says, It'll probably wear off in about an hour if you want to just wait it out. Yes. Let's wait. Time passes. Several minutes later, you feel that awful pressure, that painful press at the base of your skull dissipate, and then leave entirely. And if you were to try to talk about the situation... You could, feasibly. Like, you feel that you are fully back in control of your body. She just slumps and puts a hand over her mouth and takes a couple very deep breaths and then very slowly puts the hand back down and sits up straight and looks at Elasha and says, I need to go to Vogvaldor. Elasha freezes with her teacup halfway to her mouth. Roll perception with advantage. 19. You see that same raw, visceral panic that you saw on your father's face for a second go across her face. She puts her teacup down with a click on the table and reaches up and just runs one hand along the burn scar down one side of her face. And why do you think you need to do that? I understand if you think you need to go... But that's a damn dangerous decision to make, Fee. What could possibly be there that would be worth it? I can't, won't, and wouldn't, if I could, compel the truth out of you on this. But I would hope that I earned enough honesty for you to tell me what's going on here. Fee takes a very deep breath and then says, I met with Erevé Enmar. Elasha's eyes go really big. And she nods silently to herself and says, So she's still alive, that's good to know. And how is this connected to Vogvaldor? I assume you're aware of the broad strokes of what her parents were researching. 
ancient teleportation, lost rune lore. Vaguely, yes, we don't know the details, but... I don't know everything she knows, but I do know that there is an ancient teleportation network that allows for free passage throughout the country of Australia, and I do know that that network is connected to an inactive portal in the mountains near Gimtarum. And I found out that Ms. Enmar was working with Soren Chakrana. So I would not gamble any of our futures on Leo not having the information that I do, and several months of a head start. Elosha's eyes get even bigger when you mention that thing about Soren, and she puts her head in her hands and goes, Shit! We, we can't, we can't. Your father is never going to give us clearance to send anybody over there after him without evidence. And evidence means telling him about the portals, which he could follow back to the beacon, which would be... Ugh. A goddamn disaster. I did my best to make a political argument that he could follow that would achieve the result we want, but it... Uh, didn't work out well. She purses her lips and she nods. Do you think if you make it over there that you can stop him? Yes. I I don't want this. I don't want you going over there. Alasha looks like she's really struggling to calm herself down as she's talking about this. Vogvoldor is not a kind place. It is not a merciful place. And it will eat you alive if you go there alone. I learned the hard way that you don't run headlong into a war without people at your back that you really trust to be there. Do you have people like that that you could take with you? I think I do. Yes. She's silent for a moment. <sighs> Kimrel's teeth. I can get you out of the country. I... No one's gonna like this, but I have a way I can make it happen. I need seven days. So you have seven days to get all of your people in this city and have them ready to get the hell out. She nods, and she says, I can do that. All right, time for me to get to work then, I guess. Alasha gets up and she brushes off the front of her skirts. She turns around to you and gets your face in both of her hands where you're still sitting on the couch and goes, Do not die. Please. She says, I won't. And then nods and her voice just like shaking says, Alasha, thank you. You have absolutely nothing to thank me for. But one more piece of advice. I wouldn't leave behind anything or anyone that you can't live without. Your father has a very effective strategy of keeping collateral. Right. Yes. Understood. She leans down and she kisses you on the cheek and leaves her quarters and leaves you sitting there. She's going to sit there for a minute, collect herself, and then she's going to get up. She's going to go back to her own room. And she's going to start writing a letter to Fen. 
Okay, and what are you putting in this letter? I don't think it's long. Just a couple sentences to the vein of, we need to talk in person. You know that Fen is staying with his uncle and his aunt in the city of Onlin, which is the seat of House Tormare. Onlin's about three days out from Valentall, but if you send the letter with a carrier raven, obviously, you know, it'll get there faster. So this is the resource gathering part of the episode. You now have seven days to make sure everybody and everything that you want leaving this country with you is locked and loaded. So I would like to know Fee's process and kind of how she's doing that. As far as things, she doesn't have a lot. She has her wand. She has a couple personal items, a favorite book, maybe. Personal items, as many changes of clothes as she can fit in a bag, uh, her medicine, her beacon coin, obviously, and Leo's ring. Because if that is found in her chambers, it's going to be a whole thing. You gather all of those things. Um, who all would you like to take with you? I mean, obviously, Arave and Verity have both requested to come with you. But who besides that? Yeah, Arave and Verity, she's going to send a message for them to stand by because she doesn't want them to be in the city. It's too dangerous. And, yeah, just those people and Kalesa. So how would you like to approach Kalesa about this? Because we have to remember that Kalesa doesn't know everything that's going on. Kalesa knows about the Beacon as an organization. She has, like, met Sabine and been through everything that went down at the Shakrana Masquerade. She does not know about the portals. She does not know about the work that Soren and Erebe were doing. She doesn't know about any of that. He's going to try to get Kalesa alone, and I think she's going to frame it as she needs Kalesa to come along related to what happened at the masquerade, and she will explain more when everyone is together. I'm not even going to make you roll persuasion for this. Kalesa is ride or die. She told you she was down and you just needed to say the word. You know, when you guys had that conversation the day after Soren died, and she made you promise that these people were going to burn for what they did, and she would be there, and you just needed to say the word. She's going to fulfill that promise. I think you guys are up drinking on the roof, actually, and she kills this bottle of Valduran whiskey and throws it off the roof of the palace, nods to herself and goes, Yeah, alright, cool, it'll be nice to get back to Vogue Voldur again, I miss having fun. I'm not sure how much fun it's going to be, but... We'll see what happens. She just reaches down and grabs your hand, and I think you guys sit up there for a little bit. It gets pretty down to the wire. Like, the day before Alasha told you that your week was up is when Fen rides back into Velental. If Fen rides in, I'm going to meet him at the stables. I'm just gonna stop and say, Fen, can we talk privately? That was what you asked in your letter, and I'm here, aren't I? Yes. Uh, yeah, and I'm just going to gesture for him to follow me, and I'm going to go up to my chambers. Yeah, he comes in there behind you. He's keeping a social distance between the two of you that is appropriate for somebody that is interacting with the Grand Duchess on a very surface level, which is weird for him. Fee lets him into the room, closes the door behind them, and she just starts sobbing. 
he's across the room and has you in his arms. By the time you even, like, lose stability on your feet, it's almost instantaneous. He's just got you wrapped up in this really big, tight hug and slowly gets you to sit down on the edge of your bed so that you're not at risk of falling over. And I think just holds you until you're ready to talk. It's going to take a minute. I don't think Fee really felt safe to process that whole thing that happened with her father until Fen was there. He just lets you cry it out. He's just petting down your hair and telling you that everything's going to be okay. So I think some time passes, and then Fee sits up and, like, pulls out of his arms, wipes at her face, and says, Sorry. Sorry, um... Listen, I... I shouldn't have left. I was being stupid and selfish, and... I really fucking regret it, Fee, okay? Everything's okay now, right? No, it's not. And I think she just tells him what happened, the whole confrontation start to finish. He takes in what you are saying to him with a very flat, stoic expression. The more you tell this story and the longer you go on, you see his hand drifting closer and closer to the hilt of his battle axe and close around it in a white-knuckled grip. And he just lets you tell him the rest of this story. His other hand is still on your back, just rubbing circles between your shoulder blades. You feel his hand shaking by the time you're done telling this story. He nods and says, I shouldn't have left you alone. Where's your father? Don't. It's it's not worth it. I, I'm leaving the country for a bit. Le- leaving the... Where are you going to go? I am going on a trip to Vogvaldur to handle some things, and I want you to come with me. I need you to come with me. His eyebrows knit together and he frowns and nods like he's thinking it over. I I mean, I understand that there's more at play here than I know right now, but... Fee, running away from one dangerous situation into another isn't going to keep you any safer. You saw what Vogvaldor did to Kalesa's mom. She almost died. I understand why this is a big ask for you. I am not running. I am taking time to regroup. And then I am going to handle this myself. You say that, and the hand that was wrapped around his battle axe relaxes and reaches up and gets a couple fingers under your chin and tilts your head until you're looking at him. And he says, I didn't say anything about this being a hard ask. Of course I'm coming with you. Yeah, full sobbing. Fen just stays with you until you're calmed down. He's not leaving you alone again. Absolutely not. So Fen is your shadow for the rest of the day. He is not getting more than five paces away from you. You 
leave your quarters eventually. And as you are walking down through the entrance hall of the palace, you see a big caravan of like royal carriages outside and they are being packed up and loaded up with several foot lockers. It's a uh, real perception. 13. Okay, yeah, if you get a little closer, I think, and really examine what's being loaded in, these are all your father's effects. A bunch of your dad's stuff is getting packed into these carriages. Okay, um, I'm not gonna talk to him about it. No, I think you hang back. You do see him exit the front door of the palace with, like, a small bag of his own effects. And Elasha is right behind him and sees him off at the door. He sees you, nods to you, and then just gets in a carriage and rolls out. I'm going to walk up to Elasha, and I'm going to say, So where is he going? Elasha sucks in a sharp little breath through her teeth. Um, Fen, good to see you, by the way. Fen just goes like, huh. (laughs) (laughs) Fen makes a very stressed noise. (laughs) She turns back to you and says, I mentioned that no one was going to like my methods, but your father got a very urgent letter from up north saying that Lord and Lady Shakrana are being less than forthcoming with some information related to the seditionist movement, and that his particular talents would be of use in extracting that information. So he is headed north and will be back in a fortnight. She flinches as she says that, but nods. Right. Uh, yes. Good to know. And then she nods again, and she turns to Fen and says, Let's go. Uh, let's find Kalesa. Kalesa did not know that Fen was coming back. She is walking down the top of the stairs when you go back into the entrance hall, and she shrieks and, like, runs down the stairs. And does a jump hug, like gets her arms locked around Fen's neck and her legs are swinging off the ground. Despite the tension of the situation, Fen does kind of laugh and like give her a big squeeze and put her down. And she goes, I've been so bored. Do you know what it's like not having any impulse control around? I feel like I can't even rebel when there's nobody here telling me not to do stupid shit. I'm so glad you're back. (laughs) She laughs a little bit to herself and then says, uh, sorry to, uh, sober the mood. But there are some things that I should discuss with both of you. Kalesa's expression goes much more somber. Yeah, okay. Um, do we want to do gardens? Do we want to do roof? I mean... The information is a bit sensitive. We should go... <clears throat> we should go back to my quarters. Yeah, you head back. Kalesa flops back on your bed with no regard for your personal space. <laughs> As usual. Fen sits down at, like, your vanity chair, I think, and they're just sitting there waiting on you. Fee recaps everything. That first conversation she had with Sabine about the beacon, the events of the masquerade, the silent city. I don't think she tells them about her mom, but she goes over everything else that happened when she met Verity, and she tells them about the portals, and she tells them what she thinks Leo is planning. The two of them process this information. Kalesa looks shell-shocked and a little hurt. Fen fully looks like his brain is about to melt and come out of his ears. I understand this is a lot to process. The, 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 uh, 
the the poor the portals the the fact that our entire state religion is a lie yeah that's yo i understand if you need a minute nope 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 i'm great i'm great i'm good i'm good you know wasn't the most pious person ever anyway like it's totally chill fen says he looks like he is just barely biting back an absolute existential crisis i'll give you a second kalesa um (laughs) Fen goes into a corner and just stares at the wall. <laughs> Blair Witch style, yeah. <laughs> he needs a minute. Um, Kalesa, do you need clarification on anything? Uh, no, I'm I'm good, she says. Again, she looks a little shell-shocked, but, like, she's keeping it together. I, uh, just am wondering with this whole, you know, portal thing and the whole Leo thing, um... What exactly are we planning on doing when we get there? Kalesa, if he leads an army through that portal, thousands of people are going to die. I understand that, and I'll help you however I can, but... Fee, I'm not gonna help you kill him. I'm sorry, I... I can't. I can't do that. That's not my intention, but I have to stop him. And... If he forces the issue, then I will just have to adapt to the situation. She nods, and she has her hands kind of clutched in her lap together so that you can't see that they are shaking. Fen finishes processing his big, big feelings and comes back and sits on the bed with you guys and goes, All right, so, uh, what now? Now, I have... Two more people that are going to be involved in this, and we are going to get on a boat and go to Gimtarum. It's a very somber situation, but quietly to herself, Kalesa whispers, Oh, fuck yeah, Gimtarum rocks! Thank you, Kalesa, for the ringing endorsement. Oh my gosh, no, we have to go to the nightclubs once we get there. Like, I mean, I know there's the whole stopping a hostile invasion of the country by your brother thing, but like, we've got to set aside one night for clubbing. I'll put it in my day planner. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to message Arave? I said I messaged her earlier in the week and told her to stand by. Okay, so are you messaging her again to tell her to get over there? Yup. Okay, yep, you take out your beacon coin. You have ten words. What message do you send? We are ready when you are. Arave messages back, rather promptly. Understood. Give us two hours. Okay. And then I'm gonna figure out contracting a boat to come to him. You do that. I think Alasha stops you as you go to handle all of that and kind of shakes her head and goes, I've got it covered. Fee nods, says, uh, thank you. I appreciate that. I've got you sailing with someone that I've worked with before. I think that will be the safest way to get you there. We'll just try to keep it as low-key as possible, okay? Understood. Two hours later, I think Elasha has, like, cleared out most of the serving staff from the palace. They've all been sent home or back to their quarters relatively early, and... Two hours later, trotting up the back road to the stables, comes an extremely large baby deer 
with Arave and Verity both sitting on his back, and they jump down, and Verity runs over and just flings her arms around your waist and gives you a big hug and goes, Hi, Ferora, it's really good to see you again. Hi, Verity. Uh, yes. It's wonderful to see you. Arave looks tired as she gets down <laughs> out of the saddle and uh, leads Phineas over to where he can drink and have something to eat before she walks back over to you guys. Kalesa and Fen are with you. Fen looks wigged the hell out at this deer. <laughs> Fee's going to gesture at everybody. Uh, Fen, Kalesa, this is Erevay Anmar, Verity, and Phineas. <laughs> Erevay, Verity, Phineas. This is Fenandris Tormer and Kalesa Petrus. Kalesa blinks and goes, Holy shit, Arave, I haven't seen you in years. And Arave also looks a little surprised and goes, Oh, wow, you look a lot different than the last time I saw you. <laughs> Good, you're acquainted. That makes this easier. We're going to get on a boat. Verity unlatches herself from around your waist and runs over and gives Kalesa, who she has never met, a big hug. Kalesa very enthusiastically hugs her back. Yeah. She goes, hi, I'm Verity. When's your birthday? Oh, don't. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> She's already rattling off Kalesa's entire birth chart. God. It's too late. <laughs> and then she goes to like give Fen the same treatment and give him a big hug, even though she's never met him. And Fen just very gently gets his hands on her shoulders and holds her at arm's length. <laughs> And then just, like, claps her on the shoulder and goes, It's very nice to meet you. <laughs> you don't need to know my birthday. <laughs> well said, Fen. Let's go. <laughs> you guys have to exit through the palace to get in a carriage to leave. Verity is like a kid in a candy store walking through the palace. She is trying to just touch everything. Don't touch that. Don't touch that either. Oh, please don't touch that. <laughs> it's so beautiful in here. <gasps> wow. And she, <laughs> completely ignoring your request, she goes to touch other things. <laughs> oh, please don't touch that. That is so old. Arave just very tiredly looks over at you and goes, I've been running around archaeological sites with that for the past couple weeks. So you make your way out of the palace into a carriage. Elasha comes with you to the docks and actually gets on the ferry to Estelor with you and takes that whole journey. By the time all of you get across the lake to the city of Estelor, night is beginning to fall. It's a really beautiful port city, bustling, high population. Seems a little more high energy than Valentall, actually. There's a lot of, like, bustling markets with Valduran goods imported that have been brought in by the merchant ships, and it's a very active city. You all remain very low-key, or as low-key as you can with a giant deer in your party as you make your way down to the docks, and right before you- Um, did you say the cloak that I got has a hood? Yes, it has a hood. Okay, Fee is wearing that with the hood drawn way up over her face. Okay, absolutely. And right before you guys get down to the docks where all of the ships headed out for Vogvoldor or other ports in Australia are, 
Alasha pulls you all into an alley behind a corner. And she says, I have arranged your passage out of here. It is still going to behoove you if nobody on that boat sees you. Yes, understood. Okay, everybody pack it in. And she drops a pretty high-level invisibility spell. And all of you go invisible. You've all got an hour with that. Follow me once you're on the boat. Find somewhere to hunker down until you make it to Gimtarum, okay? Invisibly, if he's gonna hug her. She hugs you back super tight. In your ear, very quietly, she whispers, Be safe. I love you. And she kisses you on the cheek and leads you guys over to this gangplank of this ship that is docked in the harbor. Alasha does not get on the ship, but she has a very tense exchange. You see her pull a beacon coin out. She has a very tense exchange with uh, somebody who appears to be the captain of the vessel. She's a tall, willowy, jade green, infernal elf woman. This woman says something, nods, and Alasha, like, behind her back, waves you all onto the boat. Uh, yeah, we go onto the boat. You are able to find a small hold where you can, like, shack up behind some boxes and things. And you see that there are provisions stashed back here, you assume, from the person that Alasha just talked to. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, we just hunker down. You wait, you're there for a few more minutes, and you feel the ship start to move. You hear this person that Alasha was talking to barking orders at people up on deck. And you feel the slow rocking of the ship as it leaves the harbor. As you leave the only home you've ever known. That's where we're going to end for this week. Uh, Everything sucks, dude. Uh, okay, I'm normal again. That's not true, but... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it seems that the uh, paths of the Val signs are about to start getting a lot closer to each other, doesn't it, buddy? sure does seem that way but i guess we'll find out about what happens with that next time on compelled duel hey everybody barry here with the postscript just clearing up a couple housekeeping things here at the end of the episode as always, we are on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and TikTok at Compelled Duel. You can also find us on TikTok at Compelled Duel Audios, where we post audio snippets from the show. We have a Q&A show that we do every Monday at 3 p.m. PST over on our YouTube channel. So if you head on over to YouTube and search Compelled Duel, you should be able to find us there. We'd love for you to come hang out with us. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, we ask that you consider pledging to our Patreon. You can find us on patreon.com slash compelled duel, and we have lots of cool perks, including priority for questions in the Q&A, 
access to exclusive playlists on our official Spotify account, and also the ability to get a letter from your favorite Compelled Duel character every month. If you're interested in helping us out in ways other than pledging to our Patreon, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, we ask that you drop us a rating and a review, because that will help us get promoted to a wider listener base. And as always, word-of-mouth advertising helps us just so much more than anything else, so if you're enjoying the podcast, we just ask that you tell three friends about it, and if they enjoy it, ask them to tell three friends too. Our next episode is going to be going up on Friday, April 2nd, 2021, or if you are a member of our Patreon, you'll get early access on Thursday, April 1st. Boy howdy, what an April Fool's gift this next one's going to be to all of you. Uh, Take care. We'll see you next week.